Coming Up is a podcast brought to you by the dedicated and diverse volunteers at 3CR. Just a quick message before you get there. For the month of June, we're asking listeners to donate to the station to help us keep going. In 2023, we're asking our community to stay tuned, stay radical. We rely on the generous donations of community to survive. Go to 3cr.org.au slash donate and show your support for community-owned and community-run media. Thanks for your support and happy listening. Throughout the month of June, we'll be asking you, the listener, to support radical community-owned media during our Radiothon. We'll be taking donations online, over the phone and in the station to help keep 3CR going for another year. Fierce, independent community media is vital and we need your support to keep radical voices and issues on the airwaves. The 3CR Radiothon kicks off in June. To donate, go to 3cr.org.au. Call the station on 03 or drop in at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy, during business hours. 3CR, stay tuned, stay radical. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Satellite. My name's Joseph Toscano, the program's produced by Kelly Whitworth. We're in the middle of our Radiothon last week. All our interstate listeners would have had a wonderful program. And our, unfortunately, our Melbourne Victorian listeners would have just been listening to us trying to raise money for Community Radio 3CR. The Radiothon is still going on. We're about $5,000 short as far as our program is concerned. So if you would like to donate to Community Radio 3CR to keep the anarchist world this week on air in its 40, I think it's 45th year of production. Yes, it is the 45th year of production of the anarchist world this week. We would love your donation. You can ring 039 419 or you can go to the, you know, the web. 3cr.org.au forward slash donate. So when you donate, tell them you're donating via the Anarchist World this week. And the other thing to remember is the rich and famous, they set up foundations for themselves. They legally minimise their tax deduction. They make sure their names are up in lights for generations. Well, this is your chance to redirect your taxes in a way that benefit the community. Donate to the Radio Front Community Radio 3CR. Now, while I'm advertising, inverted commas, just like to remind people that if you are in Melbourne on the 21st of June, that's this evening, 
I will be doing a presentation on the Eureka Rebellion at the Footscray Hotel at 48 Hopkins Street, Footscray. Obviously, it's a free presentation. Just turn up. 6.30pm for a 7pm start. 6.30pm for a 7pm start. And if you can't make it, you can always go to the YouTube channel, uh, josephtoscano.nam, N-A-A-R-M, josephtoscano.nam, and you'll see other presentations we've done this year on pivotal moments in Australian radical history. And while we're talking about interesting things, I actually went to an exhibition last night called Paper Hero by Azella Bissett, a Queensland artist. She's what's called a paper artist. She does a lot of good work on paper, actually making handmade paper from... And the reason I went for it uh, is that a lot of the, her material is made from bunya bunya pine because there are a lot of bunya bunya pines in Queensland and those of you from memory that goes back three months will remember we were involved in that bunya bunya pine struggle to save the Beaconsfield bunya bunya pine which we were successful in doing so please go along uh, it's at the Ladder Art Space Ladder Art Space which is at 81 Denmark Street in Kew, and the exhibition is open till the 30th of June. So, Ladder Art Space, and the artist is Zella, Zella, Z E L A B I S E T. Great material made out of natural uh, and natural environmental ingredients like bunya bunya pines. All right, let's move on. Anarchism. Anarchos without rulers. We want to create a society without rulers. What gives rulers the ability to determine the lives of billions of people? Inequalities in power and wealth. So the anarchist struggles the struggle to share power and the struggle to hold wealth in common and use it for the common good. Simple concepts, exceptionally simple concepts. You don't need a PhD in political philosophy or science. Simple concepts. It's interesting to see areas of the... Australian community waking up out of their slumber. And I've been very interested in listening to comments from uh, small business people as interest rates escalate and business costs increase. Remember at every federal election, state election, we're always told that small business is the engine room of the economy. What is the, the engine room of the economy? Not in terms of creating profits, but in terms of employment. Of Australia's 10.5 million people in paid work, I think about 5 million are working small and micro business. And as interest rates escalate, people in small business are beginning to wake up. A little bit like Gulliver. Remember when Gulliver's travels, when he um, got washed ashore in Lilliput land and they tied him down and... He woke up and he broke his bonds in a few seconds. Well, it's the same with small business. They've been bonded to the private investment for private profit mantra. They've been the flag bearers and flag wavers for the privatisation, globalisation, corporatisation, deregulation revolution. And now there's a little bit of uh, tension in the air economically we see that, guess who is being beaten around the head? 
small business. Increased interest rates means increased interest rate loans. It's all very well to cry about mortgages, but let's not forget that most small businesses have got loans which now are averaging between 8 to 12% per year. On top of that, business costs have raised because of inflation. And on top of that, we have a uh, Reserve Bank which is telling people not to buy stuff. There are not to buy goods and services, trying to bring the economy back into heel. But there's two very important factors which nobody ever talks about, or if they talk about them, they mention them and then they forget about them. One, 70% of the reasons we have escalating inflation in this country is corporate profits. Very simple, basic fact. 70% of the drivers of inflation are corporate profits. If you look at the financial sector, the banking sector, the mining sector, the energy sector, any sector you like to look at which has been corporatised, you will notice that their profits have continued to increase despite increasing interest rates. I'll repeat it again and again and again. 70% of inflationary pressures are due to corporate profits. And I'll do it again. 70% of inflationary pressures are due to corporate profits. And we should be repeating that ad nauseum day after day. At the same time, while wage rises for workers you know, wage slaves, wage rises for wage slaves has kept, is actually below the inflation level. So what that means is that you are actually have less buying power than you had 12 months ago. CEO, Chief Executive Officer salaries on average, and that's an average, have increased by 15% over the last 12 months. So who's the bunny? Who's the fool? Who's the idiot? You and me. We're the idiots. We're the bunnies. We're the fools. As I said at the beginning of this program, we're having a little bit of difficulty raising money to keep Community Radio 3CR, which I broadcast from here in Melbourne, on air, because of these increasing pressures in the community. So who's the bunny? The wage earner? The mortgage holder? The small business owner? The unemployed whose buying capacity decreases? People on disability support pensions? People on old age pensions? People on single parents pensions? Students, we're the bunnies, the majority of the population. We are the bunnies. We are expected to carry the can for increased corporate profits. Let's not forget, 12 interest rate rises has one of the major financial institutions in this country actually not passed on one of those interest rate rises, not one. 
when you look at their profitability, especially the banking sector, increasing profits 20 to 30 percent. You look at small business, out the door. Businesses that have been around for decades, out the back door. You see all those wonderful banking ads saying, if you're under a financial pressure, please contact us and we will be nice to you. You see the treasurer, Mr Chalmers, saying to somebody who's about being forced to sell their home, that's right, because they can't keep up with the mortgage repayments, ask your bank to be nice to you. What a load of total garbage. Capitalism is about private investment for private profit, irrespective of the human, social, environmental costs. Simple. It's a simple equation. You don't make a profit in a capitalist society, you go under. And if you're too small, you go under. And what this country has been exceptionally good at, exceptionally good at, is globalisation and corporatisation. You walk into any mega market. And what I'm talking about a mega market is all these shopping centres across the place. And you, you know, look at the number of small businesses in these shopping centres and look at the number of brands, corporate brands, from Darwin to Hobart. Irrespective of where you walk into some shopping complex in this country, it's the same corporate brands. And small business needs to understand what the anarchists in Spain understood in the 1930s. Their struggle to survive is interlinked with the struggle of those people who earn a wage, pay their taxes, obey the law. Their struggle is interlinked with that one-third of society, which, is, which depends on Social Security benefits to survive in this country. Let's not forget that. Small business is the gulliver of the Australian economy. But unfortunately, unlike the real gulliver, when he found, well, it's a made-up character, when he found himself in Lilliput and was able to break his bonds, while the small business sector continues to worship at Mammon's shrine, they will continue to carry the load of this so-called economic uh, situation we find ourselves in because it's not of our making. We're not profiting from it. They are. Just remember, two facts. Down at the old Barbie or... Um, down at the old swimming pool, wherever you go in winter, you know, down at the snow. Two facts. 70% of inflationary pressures in this country now, today, as I speak, are due to increasing corporate profits. CEO salaries have increased by 15% on average over the last 12 months, while wages have not actually kept up with inflation. You're listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. That program is a podcast. Now, a lot of people say to me, Joe, I want to listen to a few other things. Well, I'll just <clears throat> mention a few other sites if you're interested. 
There's the YouTube channel, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest. I do a presentation about 20 to 25 minutes about every uh, every week on various topics. These are topics you can actually uh, look at and think about. There's over 250 now presentations. Uh, I'll see if we can get to 1,000. Most likely I'll be dead before then, but we'll do our best. And then there's another uh, important um, web page is... Uh, you can go to my Facebook page, Joseph Toscana. A very important web page is Public Interest Before Corporate Interest, Pipsy, P-I-B-C-I dot net. The trouble is that, you know, a lot of people think because we've got a Labor government and the, you know, and the Greens on their heels pushing them, that Nirvana has arrived. Well, Nirvana hasn't arrived. Very little has changed for a lot of people. Very little. Very little. And I encourage you to join Public Interest Before Corporate Interest. You can do it online. Go to pipsypibci.net. And if you don't want to join, fair enough, but have a look at the material there. Always a very interesting because ultimately, if we allow the interests of a few to dominate the interests of the many, we deserve what we get. Ah, it sounds terrible, doesn't it? We deserve what we get. But that's the thing is ultimately, you get the type of political system deserve and if you you know you want to be a card carrying member of the gunner tribe i'm gonna do this and gonna do that and the something should be should do something about that tribe well don't complain when nothing changes and also look it's going to be a pretty esoteric program today so if you've got better things to do you know do them i'm interested in the changing role of the state in the 21st century What's a sovereign nation state? Well, a sovereign nation state ultimately, in its skeletal framework, is a very simple concept. It's an area of land and sea and water which is controlled by some entity which has a monopoly on the use of force. Very simple concept. Some sovereign nation states are based on a common culture, common language, common history. Others, as the settler states in Canada, the United States and Australia and parts of Africa, are based on a, uh, just having that geographical, geographical control. That's all a sovereign nation state in. And for thousands of years, thousands of years, we had hereditary monarchs around the country. Sorry, around the, the globe for thousands of years who thought of the sovereign nation state as their personal domain and the people who lived on that land as basically their slaves. Simple concept. And the state had one role and that was to maintain the power of the sovereign, maintain the power of the person who had a monopoly on the use of force in that territorial area. Simple concept. Simple concept. Now, the period of revolution reform in the 19th and early 20th century changed the role of the state in much of the world. First in the Western world, then in the rest of the world. As the colonial empires which the Western world had built up around the globe began to disintegrate because of people's desire 
for self-government and autonomy. So the nation-state's role changed. It changed because it wanted it to change. It changed because of the rise of the concepts concepts of, like, democracy or parliamentary democracy, as you say, not real democracy, but parliamentary democracy. So it changed. So the more pressure that was put on the sovereign, the more pressure that was put on the, the state, the greater the reforms which were carried out by the state. And we found the state was transformed not just into an instrument of control, but in, in, into an instrument which provided services and rights to its citizens. You didn't just have the right to genuflex at the foot of the monarch or kowtow at the foot of the monarch. You had rights as a citizen and those rights involved economic rights like a right to a roof over your head, a right to some type of basic income if you found yourself in a difficult situation, a right to access essential services through the state actually owning those essential services and providing those services to people who may have difficulty in accessing them in the private sector, like our publicly owned housing, publicly owned energy production and distribution facilities, publicly owned health facilities, publicly owned education facilities. So that was the role of the state to a significant degree in the post-war, Second World War period up to about the mid-1970s, early 1980. Then we saw a counter-revolution by those that owned the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. Not the sovereign. The sovereign had been replaced by an economic monopoly, a junta, an economic junta, which controlled the means of, which owned and controlled the means of production, distribution, exchange, and communication. And we've seen a very successful campaign to win the hearts and minds of Australians and most people around the world a very successful campaign that has put the corporate interests before the public interest. Because we all aspire, except one or two of us, we all aspire, you know, to be part of that 1% that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. If we can't, we're very happy to use this country's investment-friendly laws to become part of that 8% that is part of the investment class in this country that is doing quite well, irrespective of increasing interest rates. So the state's role changed. It reverted back. It began to revert back to the monopoly that the sovereign had on, you know, a territorial entity. But that monopoly didn't go back to the sovereign That monopoly was not held by parliament in parliamentary democracies. That monopoly moved back into the hands 
of that small section of society that owned the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. It moved back into their hands through deregulation, which is a political philosophy based on keeping the state away from regulating business, and we've seen what that's led to. It was a philosophy based on privatisation, which is giving away, virtually giving away public assets which had been built up through the labour, the blood and sweat and tears of generations to the private sector by governments, because in this country, publicly owned facilities do not belong to the public, they belong to the government of the day. Then we had corporatisation, where small business was basically re reduced to some type of little rump, relying on corporate crumbs being brushed off the corporate table. And we saw globalisation, where business was happy to send off its manufacturing to parts of the world where they didn't actually have trade unions, didn't actually have to pay sick pay or holiday pay, and they didn't actually have to pay their workers much. So these four things has once again changed the role of the state, not in terms of increasing the power of the sovereign, but in terms of increasing the power of minority. And when we go to war, we're told as the poor Ukrainians are told, that we're doing it for the country. As the poor Russians are told, we're doing it for the country. We're not doing it for the country when we go to war. In the majority of cases, when we go to war, we are doing it on behalf of that 1% that own the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. No wonder Churchill... After World War II, after he led the British to victory, did not win a parliamentary majority post-World War II. Because people began to ask themselves, what did I sacrifice myself for? Did I sacrifice myself for the sovereign? Did I sacrifice my children for that 1% that own the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication? Or did I sacrifice, or did we sacrifice ourselves to improve our situation? And that's how the public housing debate began in this country. When returned servicemen and women after World War II were camped out in tents because there was no housing for them. And the list goes on and on. So the state changes and it changes for one very good reason. That monopoly on the use of force, which, which is used through the judicial system to keep us in our place, changes when we are willing to take the measures necessary to force those changes. And those measures necessary are not clicking a button and, you know, on some virtual piece of garbage and saying, I like this, I support this. And it's not when people say, I'm going to do this or going to do that. Or it's not when people say somebody should do something about that. Ultimately, it's about people taking to the streets. It's about people taking direct action. 
It's about people forcing political parties to take up the agendas which are important to the community at that time. Now, the Whitlam-led Labor government was a very reformist government, the most reformist government in the history of this country since Federation in 1901. And it was a reformist government because of the pressure which was placed on the ALP at that particular point in time to introduce policies that assisted people. That's what it was about, was that pressure. Currently, there is no pressure because we're too interested in protecting our superannuation nest egg, which can disappear overnight. We're too interested in trying to become investors because we've got a bit of disposable income. We're too interested in uh, denigrating people who are not in the same position we're in. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. This program is broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Toscano. The program is will be podcast in the next 24 hours. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. That's 3cr.org.au. Plan B. Plan B? Plan B? What plan B? Now, everybody's concerned. Well, our political leaders aren't concerned, but a lot of people are becoming concerned about our complete 100% reliance on a failing state. That's the United States of America, a failing state to protect us as a people, to maintain our territorial integrity in case we face problems in our community. Now, the thing about global politics, it's really local politics. Now, if you're living somewhere, right, whether it's a flat in a multi-storey development whether it's, you know, your quarter-acre block, whether it's your mansion in Turak, the important thing is to maintain cordial relationships with your neighbours. Cordial relationships with your neighbours. You're not going to get anywhere if every time you've got a issue with your neighbours that you call in the Bobber Boys, you know, from the US of A or from, you know, from the Mafia or whatever, to come down and, uh, you know, resolve your problems. Now, we as a nation have decided that we're going to hitch our wagon, the United States of America, and looking at the possibility of another rerun of the presidential election between Mr. Biden, an old-fashioned Cold War warrior, and we're seeing where those policies have led us as a people on this globe. And Mr Trump, well, a total narcissist who thinks the world revolves around him, who believes that when he bends over, the sun shines. Are we really that stupid as an independent, sovereign nation-state to actually hook our wagon and integrate, and that's the key word, 
integrate our defence systems with the United States of America? Would it be a little bit more sensible to actually improve our relationship with our neighbours? Now, the Morrison government didn't understand that. The Australian Labor Party is beginning to understand that. But I'm not just talking about our neighbours in the Pacific, but maybe the Indonesians, the Malaysians, the Filipinos, the Thais, and the list goes on and on. Isn't that the way to maintain a little bit of peace and quiet in your part of the neighbourhood by attempting to develop a good a relationship with your neighbours, not relying on some thug to come in to resolve any issues you have with your neighbour. So think about it. If we're going to have a rerun of the United States elections where we've got an old Cold War warrior, Mr Biden, we see what his policies do, and a, and, and a gentleman called Mr Trump who doesn't really understand what truth is. Well, not that truth matters, does it? It never has, has it? And we hitch our star to that failing state. We really are setting ourselves up to fail in a big way. You're listening to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the community radio satellite. Now, the public housing struggle continues, despite the Labor Party talking about social, community, inclusive, you name it, housing. It continues. The Margaret Kelly struggle regarding the around the uh, the privatisation of the Barrack Beacon Estate in Port Melbourne continues. Currently, public housing, everybody's business. We are holding vigils in the steps of the Victorian Parliament House at midday every Thursday. Sometimes these vigils expand into other activities. Now, Margaret Kelly will be facing VCAT tomorrow, that's the 22nd of uh, June, and I assume that has a consequence of the winter solstice, which is today, she'll be booted out into the winter cold. That's the thing about the legal system, isn't it? It protects the weak and the deserving. So we'll keep you up to date. But that struggle hasn't changed. Governments at the state and federal level continue to privatise the public health, health, public housing sector. And what little public housing is left in this country is being quietly euthanised. Quietly euthanised as people conf- uh, become confused by the way governments use terminology, community housing, social housing, inclusive housing, affordable housing, is private housing. It's a little bit like the unemployment um, department, if they call themselves these days. It was privatised 20 to 30 years ago. So when you go, if you're unemployed and you've got to go through, jump through these hoops, Those people who see you are making a profit for the organisation. Whether it's for profit or not for profit, they make a profit for that organisation. It's the same with these other types of housing. Public housing, 
publicly owned, publicly managed, where you pay 25% of your income. I'm not going to bore you with this anymore. But the important thing is, I will be calling on you to assist us as this campaign escalates. Because having a roof over your head is becoming a more important issue for many Australians. Not just in terms of keeping a roof over your head, but in terms of keeping your kids at school, feeding them and making sure they get what they need to survive. So the public housing struggle continues, and it will continue, despite what state and federal governments do, despite how they manipulate the legal system to forcefully evict people, to privatise public housing in the state of Victoria, which I'm familiar with, despite the lies, the half-truths that are peddled about community, affordable, social and inclusive housing. Listen to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Now, occasionally you think to yourself, well, this is out of left field. Now, I'm going to tell you a little story, just in case you are enamoured with the Australian Defence Forces. When I was, I think, 18 or 19, I think it was 1970, 1971, in order to make a buck, I was a part-time CMF, which Citizens Military Forces Cleaner, hmm? at Kangaroo Point in Brisbane. Part-time CMF Cleaner, okay? And I'd go into the little barracks at Kangaroo Point, which was still part of the Australian Defence Forces. I'm not sure if it is these days. And I'd be expected to do a bit of cleaning. And there was the private's mess, there was the sergeant's mess, and there was the officer's mess, right? Strict demarcation. And if you go back to World War II, uh, when uh, prisoners were captured, uh, they were divided in terms of rank. And the higher your rank the better off you were. And in certain cases, high-ranking officers even had assistants. Batmen, they used to call them, assistants. So obviously an armed forces is a, a particularly hierarchical structure. Somebody gives the orders and you do the killing. It's very simple. You're dehumanised to such a degree that you don't question any order. Whatever the order is, from a higher-ranking officer, you carry out. And if you don't carry out that order, you're court-martialed. In some countries, you're shot on the spot, OK? That's how hierarchical armed forces are. Now, over the last five or six years, we've been drip-fed regarding atrocities which were committed by Australian Defence Forces personnel in Afghanistan. And lately, we're seeing the beginning of a court process which has seen privates and corporals and sergeants 
hauled up before courts for the behaviour, their unconscionable behaviour. They're all saying, tut, 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 tut. Isn't that terrible? Tut, tut, tut. Now, Jackie Lambie, independence or a senator in the federal parliament, has been in the Defence Forces, and she knows how it works, you know? you got the private's mess, the sergeant's mess, the officer's mess, and then you got the top brass's mess. Obviously, at Kangaroo Point, there was no mess for the top brass. They never bothered to go there. So, she's pissed off. Really annoyed. Really pissed off. That once again, true to the historical account, we've seen the troops on the ground being buffeted, kicked, prosecuted for behaviour which obviously had to be known to the top brass. So what has Jackie done? And I congratulate her. I mean, I've got a lot of issues of young Jackie, but this one is a beauty. She's outed the Australian Defence Force's top brass to the International Criminal Court in The Hague. And she says, if it's good enough for the gander, it's good enough for the geese. Think about it. Think about the way it works. Think about the hierarchical nature of the Australian Defence Forces. Think about the history of the Australian Defence Forces since 1901 where those that carry out the atrocities are the only ones that are actually ever prosecuted and those that give the orders, get the medals, become esteemed citizens and are lauded in the Australian, um, you know, special orders, you know, whatever it is, where you get your little medal. So think about it. So congratulations, Jackie. Whether it goes anywhere is a different matter. But at least you've raised that exceptionally important issue. Those at the coalface may carry out the atrocities, but it's disingenuous to say that nobody in a position of authority knew what was carrying on. And as the, after World War II, the Nuremberg trials highlighted that the individual is responsible for their actions. Think about it. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the community radio satellite. Now, occasionally I I keep thinking, what planet am I living on? Is it Mars? Is it Jupiter? Is it Uranus? Or is it some galaxy somewhere else? Now, I don't know if you've been following the situation in Sudan. It's a particularly horrific situation. What happened is the military dictatorship, which has been in power there for over 30 years, initially as an Islamic dictatorship, now just as a boring old dictatorship, created a paramilitary force called the Janjaweed, who basically had open slather 
in terms of the, how the war was conducted in the South Sudan and the Darfur region in Eastern Sudan. And they were responsible for the deaths of hundreds of thousands of people in the most brutal ways. Now, about three years ago, there was a huge public protest movement in Sudan which attempted to introduce a civilian government. And Sudan has had civilian governments in the past, but failed. And a Janjaweed and the Sudanese armed forces came to an agreement. The leader of the Janjaweed, became vice president and the leader of the Sudanese armed forces became president. Now those two gentlemen have fallen out and they've been involved in a pitched battle in Khartoum, a city of 8 million, and the rest of Sudan, which has resulted in the deaths of thousands of civilians. Rape, mass rape as a weapon, banditry, you name it, it's happening. At the same time, almost 2 million Sudanese from a population of 50 million have fled to neighbouring countries. Another 2 million are facing starvation or are starving because obviously things don't work in a war zone. And about 20 million have been internally displaced. That's a huge number of people, a huge number of people and obviously... We don't hear about it much, but occasionally, you know, it bubbles up to the surface, occasionally. Now, the United Nations asked member countries to donate $3 billion to assist it in providing humanitarian aid, you know, food, water, medicines, health care, in this expanding war zone. And all they were able to raise was $1.5 billion half of what the United Nations says they require to provide that aid to prevent starvation, especially in the Darfur region. Half. That's in the, I think that's the west of Sudan. At the same time, a little submarine with five people, one driver and four tourists who paid lots of money, which is fair enough, to go down and have a look at the Titanic has disappeared. And I'm not complaining, but we're seeing tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars. The Canadian Coast Guard, the United States Coast Guard, everything you can, you know, lay your hands on being used. Fair enough. Five people in one hand millions on the other hand think about it it's the same thing in Palestine we see the um, Israeli government which is basically a fundamentalist government, religious fundamentalist government you know, go into towns in the West Bank, create havoc we see tit for tat slaughter and again minimal interest from the world minimal interest just extraordinary, isn't it? Just extraordinary. So sometimes you have to wonder what planet you're living on. 
You listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. Something a little bit, a bit more lightweight. Now, have you noticed the hysterical debate regarding artificial intelligence? Now, I'm going to draw a, a bow, a long bow, but it makes sense. During the Roman Empire, we had the patricians, which were the ruling classes, and the plebeians, you know, the plebs, which were the working class. And they kind of were involved in a number of struggles for hundreds of years until Rome became an empire. And Rome and the surrounding areas were flooded with slaves, the booty of successful military campaigns. Hundreds of thousands of slaves, which were basically cheap labour. Well, you didn't pay for slaves except feed them and house them. Which the patrician class used to expand their ownership and empires. And you had extraordinarily large estates with thousands of slaves run by the patricians. At the same time, the plebeians found themselves in a difficult situation. And they began to revolt, you know. The plebs revolted. So what we saw was the introduction of one of the first universal basic incomes in human history. It was called Bread and Circuses. 200 public holidays, great slaughter in the Colosseum, you could watch for free if you're a pleb, subsidised housing, subsidised food, and they came to an accommodation. The slaves did the work, the patricians made the money, expanded their wealth. The plebs survived and were entertained and fed. Now, artificial intelligence is like a slave. You don't have to pay it. You don't even have to house it. Well, you do have to house it. You don't have to... F well, you have to feed electricity. It's like a slave, you know? It depends who owns it and how it's used. And obviously artificial intelligence will eventually have profound impact on us as communities and societies. Why break our backs doing boring, repetitive work that leads nowhere? We've already seen that with you know, the industrial age. Well, we can do things which were unimaginable two or three hundred years ago for the use of the machinery, it'll be the same with artificial intelligence. A lot of the work that people are now involved in will no longer be necessary. And the more so-called advanced, um, technologically driven societies, which Australia likes to think it's part of, we'll see more and more artificial intelligence being introduced. And we see it in the financial sector, in the banking sector, where when you line up to do your banking, they just look at you as if you're some type of, uh, you know, Luddite, and they try to push you towards some little machine to do your banking. Obviously, Luddites like you and me, we, we tend to uh, resist all that, and, you know, we'll continue to the day we die. But once we die out, uh, the next generation will be, um, you know, 
prepped, prepped for that type of artificial intelligence. So artificial intelligence actually can be the gateway to a universal basic income. If you don't need everybody in society to be involved in the productive process in terms of, you know, generating a profit, if you don't need everybody, then, obviously, you need to do something with people. Now, some people believe in the Great Reset. They're going to kill us all, you know? Others, like myself, think that's a lot of garbage. And what will happen is we will see that the state, in order to decrease social dislocation and challenge to the authority of the 1% that own the means of production, distribution, exchange, communication, we will see the introduction of a universal basic income for every citizen and resident in this country. It may take 10 years, it may take 20 years, it may take 30 years. But we do have a historical precedent as far as the Roman Empire is concerned. That if you've got a group of people who are enfranchised, who have some power, although it's limited in terms of their participation in parliamentary elections, and you want to maintain order, then you need to incorporate those people in that economic process. And the best way to do it is through a universal basic income because that frees people to actually pursue interests that they have knowing that their basic necessities, housing, food, security, are looked after through a universal basic income. You're listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Now, two things I'd like to announce. One, Eureka Australia medals are now open. Nominations for the Eureka Australia medals are open. On the 3rd of December, Eureka Day, in Ballarat, at Bakery Hill, we present six Eureka Australia medals to individuals or even groups that have been involved in creating the climate to create a more egalitarian society. These are people you won't see in the New Year's Honours list, the King's Honours list. You won't see them there because they're rebels, they're radicals. But we, in the Reclaim the Radical Spirit of the Eureka Rebellion Group, we honour them. And every year, we open nominations. Nominations are now open. They will close by the middle of November. Nominations need to be written. You can email them to anarchistage at yahoo.com or info at anarchistage at yahoo.com or you, can, or you can send written nominations to Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. So if you know somebody who's done a lot of things, never been recognised, now's the time. You can always ring me to give me a name on 0439 395 489. I'm also looking for people who'd 
like to be involved in the Eureka Day dinner. We bookings are now open right now. Zero four three nine three nine five four eight nine. Thank you for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. This program is being streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. You can email us at info at pipsy.net, info at anarchistage at yahoo.com. YouTube channel, Public Interest Before Corporate Interests. Facebook page, Joseph Toscano. Another YouTube channel, josephtoscano.nam. The list goes on and on and on. What's important is get off your ass, do something, stop clicking on the internet. You'll just get a sore finger. See you next week and keep donating. An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World this week. Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, larger! Throughout the month of June, we'll be asking you, the listener, to support radical, community-owned media during our Radiothon. We'll be taking donations online, over the phone and in the station to help keep 3CR going for another year. Fierce, independent community media is vital and we need your support to keep radical voices and issues on the airwaves. The 3CR Radiothon kicks off in June. To donate, go to 3cr.org.au. Call the station on 03 or drop in at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy, during business hours. 3CR, stay tuned, stay radical. Did you enjoy listening to that podcast? 3CR is a community radio station, and you, the listener, are a part of that community. Right now, it's our Radiothon. We need you to pitch in with a few dollars to keep the station going. We can't do it without you. It's easy. Head to 3cr.org.au forward slash donate. Your donations really matter.